more wood? Oh, yeah. You are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. Welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today are our well-rested friends, our summer break co-hosts, Messer Engine and Celeste. Thanks for joining me today, guys. How's it going? It's going pretty good. I mean, we haven't, I feel like we haven't been here for a while, but we're back. We're back like the fucking dinosaurs. We're back movie. And we're going to record a great podcast for you. We're going to do it. We promise. More Gen 4. Sino hype train? That is a deep fucking 90s cut, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Celeste, how you doing, hon? I'm doing good. New apartment, new job. Finally have internet after a week, which really sucked and is the reason why we were so delayed. I'm really sorry about that. But other than that, I'm doing great. No, no, it's 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 fine. We're sorry. Yeah, I can't imagine living without home internet for that long. Like when my when my service was sporadic about a month or two back, I literally wanted to murder someone. So you have nothing but my deepest sympathies. My Switch kept me pretty occupied with I Am Setsuna and Breath of the Wild, so I'm good. Well, good. I'm I'm glad. I I had a, a well deserved and much needed break i think it was a pretty good couple weeks for me we went and visited family we had some some good stuff there i i I need to warn you guys i need to prepare you because for some reason this is apparently a big fucking deal to some of our listeners as as strange as it seems that i have to talk about this on our purely audio medium podcast that that big bushy jolly beard that everyone loves so so much that makes me look like a combination of santa claus and a homeless man yeah, that's gone. So prepare yourselves. I am going to be streaming this week, and I kind of wanted to rip that Band-Aid off before the stream. So I, as much as I would love to kind of give, like, some optimistic bullshit about how, you know, oh, new look, new me, new direction. Like, no, it's not any bullshit like that. I just was trimming it, trying to look less like a homeless man. And my hand slipped, and I goofed. And I was either cut the damn thing off or live with a bald spot for a solid month until it grows over enough. I don't know what to do, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm real sorry, but you're the hobo lander to me. There can be only one. I don't I don't even know what to think. Well, it's it's hair, y'all. It's hair. It does grow back. I intend to grow it back. Fucking fucking Rohane looked at me cuz he came over that day. And he just kept looking at me weird all day, and then the next day at work he just looks over at me and he's just like, "It's it's coming back, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, buddy. It's coming back." He's like, "Okay, good." good i don't like this (laughs) (laughs) well that's okay he knows where the red corner is i think um (laughs) any anyways i think that there don't we do a segment after we talk about how we were i i it's been a while i seem to think that we talk about some shit is it news i it might it may be news mayhaps mayhaps the news do we have a jingle what a jingle there's no jingle there's got to be a jingle. The jingle, the jingle is a lie. Is a lie. 
<laughs> Jinx! Uh, so yeah, it's been a couple weeks since our last vanilla episode of Blastman Radio, and as such, we're running a little bit behind in the current events of Pokemon. So what did we miss? Let's find out in this week's Pokemon News. Here is the Poke News. The Poke News. So, we are in July, and that means another Year of Legendaries event, and the event is live, at least depending on where you live. Uh, This month, Game Freak is giving us the opportunity to pick up either Tornadus or Thunderous. As with previous events in this series, which of these legendaries you receive is dependent on your game version, with Sun and Ultra Sun redeeming Thunderous, and Moon and Ultra Moon redeeming Tornadus. Also, just like previous events in the series, these Pokemon come at level 60 in Pokemon Sun and Moon, or level 100 and holding a gold bottle cap in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Now, this event is live through Wi-Fi Mystery Gift, but only in Europe and Oceania. Uh, For our friends across the pond, the event is active and will remain so through July 22nd. For us poor plebs here in North America, however, we don't have it quite as good. Uh, Here in the U.S., this event is being distributed by Target stores from July 13th through the 28th, and in Canada, codes will be distributed by the Trainers Club newsletter, arriving to you whenever the fuck Pokemon Company gets around to it. This shit is getting a little old for me, personally, honestly. Like, I get that it's advertisement, I get they want to get bodies in stores, but when they're doing monthly events and all of them are at retail, it gets kind of annoying. Like, you have the infrastructure, you have the technology, Game Freak, just give us the goddamn Pokemon. Yeah, don't make me drive an hour and 15 minutes to Target. Please. (laughs) Pretty please. At least GameStop is like 10 minutes away. But where else will you get your assorted bric-a-brac? No. All those forced interactions with employees. I I don't... I I like cash register people for the most part, so, like, I'm fine with that. But I... I, It's gas. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to travel, like, two and a half hours round trip to get a code. So, the one thing that I genuinely like about the Target events is, at least for my local Target, instead of putting them behind a counter where you have to approach a clerk and ask for them, they just set them the fuck out in their electronics department. So, instead of having to endure, like, the judgmental looks from the GameStop clerk as I demand, you know, four to six codes from him for my myriad of cartridges, I could just fucking grab them like a rat when nobody's looking. That makes me happy. <laughs> they need to set up, you know those... uh those booths that they have for contests where they just throw money everywhere inside of the booth and you have to grab at it. That's what they need to do with the Pokemon codes. Yep. 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 All right. Now this is normally the part of the news where I would tell you about our next global mission, but well, there isn't one. The global mission for June, which was the last that was in the list that were announced at the launch of Ultrasound Ultramoon, it was confirmed to be the the final global mission in those games. So, kind of bittersweet. It, it sucks to see them go. It was nice to have that reliable monthly content to give you a reason to try something new and different out in those games. But at least we went out with a bang. We demolished the goal of the last one. So, that feels good. So, good job, trainers. It's also worth noting that this weekend, as of this recording, July 6th, 7th, and 8th, is the North American International Championships for Pokemon, for Pokemon VGC, for the trading card game, and for Pokken Tournament. Now, that event is still actually ongoing. The finals will be tomorrow on Sunday the 8th, so I don't have any information for you on the winners or anything like that. But if you are participating, good luck to everybody, and... 
granted, it's going to be over probably by the time this hits your ears. But if you get the chance, check out the stream tomorrow on Sunday. Uh, it'll be the the top cut players in VGC. So that'll be real interesting to watch for obvious reasons. Those people are real, real good at Pokemon. So that's neat. Now, the big buzz for the last couple of weeks has definitely been Pokemon Go, with lots of of new features and events rolling out over the break, an almost unfathomably large amount of stuff in Pokemon Go. So, Messer Engine, what is going on right now in Go? All the things. All the things are new. Uh, Starting with new legendaries. You know, we might not have won the Reggie Lottery in Gen 3, but you sure all have, because... Niantic just rolled out the Reggie Trio as raid bosses, starting with Regice, who is active right now. Regirock and Registeel are confirmed to be rolling out as the summer continues, so be on the lookout. We also got some new research. This month's research centers on Kanto Pokemon. It rewards Snorlax with the move Body Slam, a move it can't normally learn, so that's really cool. Look at us with that good, well-timed Snorlax showdown spotlight episode we're real good at things and stuff, and we didn't even plan it. Uh, we also got new events in Pokemon Go. Specifically, the Pokemon Go second anniversary event is live, which features uh, Fire Gym Leader's favorite Pokemon, Pichu, Pikachu, and Raichu. We love you, Cameron. With summer style, specifically a big floppy sun hat with aviator sunglasses. Holy shit. Th- these Pikachus, I just, I just have to say, look so much... Like Hunter S. Thompson from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like, I just expect them to be, like, strung out on fucking coke every time I see them. And it makes me happy. Somebody go and and Photoshop that onto the the front cover of the DVD. Like, there's no difference. It's not discernible. (laughs) (laughs) This event is live through 731. So get out. Enjoy the summer. Catch yourself some electric pokemon with sunglasses and make sure to be safe because it is hot out there as well uh we also had an event today actually today which was a reward for meeting all the special challenges at the dortmund safari zone event today there was a articuno day go figure iceberg day (laughs) which had a three hour window where all the raid battles featured articuno as the boss and articuno had a chance to be shiny which was real cool i didn't get one hopefully you did also tomorrow as if all this pokemon go news wasn't enough is community day for july that's going to be july 8th and it features everyone's favorite tiny turtle squirtle as with previous events in this series, War Turtles evolved into Blastoise during the event window. We'll know the special move, Hydro Cannon. Shining Squirtles will be available. Uh, and for this one, there's actually also a special event. There's going to be a special field research that's available during Community Day. And if you complete it, you'll have the chance to catch a Squirtle wearing his Squirtle Squad sunglasses. I don't know why Niantic is super into putting sunglasses on Pokemon all of a sudden, but I am fucking in for it. Oh, you know what it is. They went ahead and they they made the asset for the Pikachu event, and then someone went, shit, we have sunglasses and squirtles. It's like making Reese's peanut butter cups. They were just like, shit, these go together real good. Let's just do it. Yeah, I'm hype. I, I, well, I think like I would be hype if it wasn't Pokemon Go, but I'm moderately approving. 
you're moderately approving. You'll only be jazzed when there is a uh, a scyther with a, a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Okay, I, I'll write Niantic and let them know. What about a Glyscor? Oh, that'd be sick. Any, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> the the last big update to Pokemon Go over the break, which is probably actually the biggest news, was the addition of social features. So finally. Uh, two years after launch, Niantic have made good on their promise of Pokemon trades. This rollout includes three distinct related features, friends, gifts, and trades. Now, each Pokemon Go trainer has a trainer ID, and you can add others' friend IDs to add to your friends list. So that's how you make friends. Life lessons, folks. Your friendship with a trainer can actually grant you certain bonuses and rewards, and it's leveled or ranked up through continued interaction over time. Go figure. Specifically, qualifying interactions include trading, doing raid or gym battles together, and sending gifts. You level up your friendship with a trainer by interacting on consecutive days, up to a cap of 90 days. Gifts are another feature which rolled out in this update. Now, when you spend a Pokestop to collect your items, you can also pick up presents. Everybody loves presents. Uh, you can't open these yourself, but you can send them to someone on your friends list. One per friend per day, up to 20 total per day. These gifts include useful items such as Pokeballs and potions, and can also include special 7-kilometer eggs containing the Alolan variant Pokemon. I actually have one of these in an incubator right now, and I'm super excited to find out what's in it. Lastly, trades were introduced, but they're not they're not exactly what you might expect. They're a little more limited. To trade with a trainer, you have to spend Stardust. Uh, and the rarer and more valuable the traded Pokemon are, the higher the Stardust cost. And extremely rare Pokemon such as Legendaries and Shinies may have a friendship requirement to trade them as well. It's also worth noting that the Pokemon's IVs determining its stats are re-rolled on trade, and for Legendaries can potentially be lower than the minimum on Capture. This is based on friendship as well, and trading with someone you have a better friendship level with will yield better IVs. Trading is currently available at level 10 and above, and all social features are disabled for trainers under the age of 13. Awesome. Thank you, Messer Engine. Now, I just I just have to say personally, and you know, I'm probably going to get written off by at least some of our listeners as a hater, and I probably am, so that's valid. But for me personally, as, as cool and as great as these new features are, Niantic does not get a pat on the back for releasing something two years after the fact that should have been a launch feature. You know, trading and, and social interaction are a core part of the Pokemon experience. And if they were going to make a Pokemon game, they should have been prepared to offer those features from launch, from day one. And the fact that they weren't is in and of itself a problem. They don't earn props for correcting something, especially this long after the fact that should have been in from the jump. Yeah, I, I hear you. At least the, the features work real well and they're real neat. Like, they were well thought out, which is appreciated. Because let's be honest, it's Diantic. It could have fucking been anything. 
That's true. And speaking of it's Niantic, it could have been anything. One thing that I do think that they actually did really poorly here was was their communication at rollout. So they just basically announced that, hey, this is going live. And a lot of Pokemon Go players and fans like made arrangements to be available to play because they were looking forward to adding friends and playing together. But when Niantic rolled out social features, they rolled them out gated behind level and over time, which wasn't shocking. They've used that rollout method in the past with other content but everything would have been so much better if they had just said that if in their initial announcement they had said it's rolling out today starting with trainers level 40 and above and working its way down over time for stability all they would have had to say everyone would have been on board but the fact that they didn't announce it that way left a really sour taste in a lot of mouths it's because they haven't hired the the wendy's twitter guy who's real good he'd be given all those sick burns I fucking love the Wendy's Twitter guy. And oh my God, if he was doing Pokemon Go, that would be fantastic. Or, oh, or the dude who does the Arby's Facebook posts and makes like all the really cool shit out of fucking like Arby's condiments and shit. Wait, why, why aren't they working for us? Why don't we have them making like fucking cardboard Pokemon and sick burns for Blastburn Radio? <laughs> Messer Engine, get on this. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I knew that was coming my way. We need a cardboard <laughs> Trask with all the sideboard parts too. Uh... Uh, cardboard trash. I'm gonna have to make that a thing. <laughs> this just in, guys. We're we're launching the Blastburn Radio Patreon effective immediately, so that we can afford to contract all these good, good fast food social media employees. Yeah, I love I love how this is what you get after three weeks of waiting. It's just us talking about fast food Twitter accounts and wondering why we don't have cardboard bats. Also, why is it that all the fast food chains that have really good social media have kind of garbage food, though? Because if you had good food, you don't have to have sick burns. That's fair. That's hey, real fair. I, I, I kind of like Wendy's. I like Frosties. Yeah, that's about that's about it for me. Every now and again, they'll do like a cool like limited time thing where they'll be like, hey, here's some queso on your burger. I'm like, that's pretty dope. And then it goes back to the normal Wendy's menu, and I'm sad. <laughs> I mean, I like the spicy chicken sandwiches a lot. Okay, that's fair. We're not here to talk about fast food. We should probably get <laughs> off this fucking tangent now. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> now, the last bit of Pokemon news that I wanted to touch on today is the fact that uh, Zeraiora, the, the new mythic Pokemon we've been talking about for a while, his initial distribution has begun in Japan. Now, as this Pokemon is now legally available on cartridge, though admittedly limitedly and, and only in a foreign region, he is still now available for use on Pokemon Showdown. And as with all new Pokemon, he debuted in the OU tier. Uh, I have to say, prior to this release, I fully expected this Pokemon to end up in Ubers and, and very quickly. But after having a chance to use it a little, my initial impressions at least I'm no longer convinced that it even belongs in the OU tier. Uh, Zeraiora is wicked fucking fast. He's faster even than Tapu Koko. And Plasma Fist is the strongest physical electric move in the game, bar Volt Tackle. But Zeraiora is desperately, desperately hurting for good coverage. I mean, he has coverage, but... He doesn't have much of it, so he's very predictable. If he was able to learn moves like U-Turn and, and Ice Punch, this thing would be a monster. Uh, but as it is, I honestly think that this thing will probably end up in UU once the dust settles and underused. It's just 
way too easily walled and you know generally you have a pretty good idea of what it's bringing or at least the important parts of its set uh and its ability and it's the secondary effect of its signature move plasma fists like they're both potentially good but they're very situational so there's nothing there that elevates it the way that marshadow was immediately intensely elevated by its signature move what do you guys think? Have you had a chance to play around with Zeriora? What were your impressions? Yeah, I spent about an hour uh, running matches today. I built a team around him that honestly was very, even for me, was pretty um, bulky just because he's so fragile. And I expected to have to like just switch him out a lot. Uh, I actually won most of my matches with that team, but it wasn't really thanks to him the best set that i've run with him so far and i tried a bunch of different stuff is actually a scarf set with oh man close combat plasma fists outrage and fire punch and that last move slot i was like oh like what the hell am i gonna put here like there were a couple options but none of them made me really be like yeah like this is what goes here the set with the scarf and outrage definitely worked better. Most of the times when I'm using him, I'm bringing him out to kill a dragon and that's, that's it. And he hits pretty hard. So he gets the extra like one to two turns of outrage and then he gets confused and then he comes out if he's not dead. But I rarely get the opportunity to use plasma fist because there are a lot of really good ground options in OU and they just come out and be like, Nope, you don't get to do anything, which is kind of a bummer. It's a signature move and you don't even get to do anything with it. Yeah. And that's really kind of my big takeaway is just, you know, Zariora is in a position where it fills a very, very similar role to Tapa Coco. Like it's a really fast, really offensive electric type, but Coco just has a lot of options. Like Coco can run physical moves. It can run special moves. It can run, a lot of different coverage. It can run hidden power really effectively. It can U-turn and volt switch. And and you get terrain. Yeah, and, and Zeriori just doesn't bring a lot of those same things. It does work fairly well as a partner to Coco. Like, I'll give it that. It benefits a lot from the electric terrain. And the fact that it gets grass knot for coverage means that a lot of the things that Coco has problems with, Zeriori can deal with. But it's definitely the weaker half of that combination. What about you, Celeste? Did you get a chance to lay hands on this Pokemon at all? So, a little bit. What comes to mind for me is it's an electric glass cannon. Because it's very fragile and can be beaten by a lot of different things. And it doesn't have the coverage for it. So, it can come out and you try to do something. They'll switch into anything that can actually beat it. And you actually don't have the coverage to beat the thing they send out. So, you get walled and then you get killed by the thing that walled you because you're squishy as hell makes him a little harder to use i can see him being used for certain things he does hit really hard and he is really fast i can see you know support pokemon passing him stats and making him a monster but that that's more of a gimmick than anything i mean you can do that with lots of different pokemon uh just... baton, baton pass is bigger than OU hun that's never going to be a viable strategy for this thing Oh, that's true, too. You can't even time pass anymore. I, I'm still stuck in old meta. <laughs> Good point. I didn't play with that, so not even thinking about that. But yeah, so that even there's not even that chance then. 
I guess going by it, you could set walls up, but it's still not going to keep him alive. The sad thing to me is that with his ability and with his signature move, this seems like a Pokemon that would really, really shine in doubles, particularly. I mean, you can Plasma Fist, your partner can explode, and you get healed by it at that point. Things like that are, are really, really neat and give really cool utility, but our competitive doubles format, VGC, tends to ban mythics. Cesario is never going to see any use there, which just brings me right back to my frustration with the arbitrary way that Game Freak and the Pokemon Company give us these really cool mythic Pokemon and then don't give us anything to fucking do with them. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I kind of agree. The mythic Pokemon are weird. I love I loved Marshadow. Like, I'd love to see Marshadow used more, but Marshadow is forever stuck in mythic limbo. In fairness, Marshadow does see fairly heavy use in Ubers because he's that fucking good. True. Because he's a super villain. I honestly don't know what I feel about Zeriara. It doesn't seem to be the big powerhouse that we thought it would be when we first saw its stats. And a lot of that has to do with the move pool it has. It's more shallow than we thought, probably. But we'll have to see how things pan out. People might figure out how to use it a lot better than I can. Yeah, it's still early. It's only been available on Showdown for a couple of days. And, and speaking of which, be sure to get on there and and lay hands on it. Again, Pokemon Showdown, if you're not familiar, is a really cool place where you can build and test teams and, and do your battles. We do all of our battling for the show on there, and it's real good times. I cannot recommend them enough. Now, we actually do have one final piece of news that I do want to go over tonight. It's not Pokemon news. It's actually Blastburn Radio community news, and that is the fact that our league, our Blastburn Radio Pokemon League, finally has another champion. We have our second ever champion of the Blastburn Radio Pokemon League, which is our good pal, Raging Genji, who was incredibly perseverant, who successfully challenged his way through eight different gym challenges, faced our Elite Four, lost, learned, and came back again, and managed to finally place himself at the pinnacle of of our Pokemon League. So congratulations, Jinji. You worked really hard for that and you earned it. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Blastburn Radio Pokemon League, it is a cool challenge aimed towards new and inexperienced competitive players where you can build a team in Pokemon Showdown. You can challenge our gym leaders uh, and eventually get the opportunity to challenge our Elite Four consisting of our three hosts as well as former host and friend of the show, Rohane. If that sounds at all interesting or fun to you, be sure to check out the Blastburn Radio discord community and as always that invite link will be in the notes of today's show and we'd definitely love to see more champions we need more champions so we can do special things with them and i'm gonna call pegasus out right now we need to fight at some point we need to get this working there's a bunch of you who are close so yeah get on that we're here we're i know that we've been hard to get a hold of but we're trying to make all the time that we can to make sure if you want to be a champion that you can get your matches in Yep. Yeah. Okay, so now we we have a very, very special talk that we need to do. It's all about Jolly and his journey back to where we were before he TPW'd to an angry balloon. <laughs> so this was his chance. His his chance to get back in the game. He was up he was at zero points at the end of that TPW which meant he was only 140 points away from me and 110 away from Celeste. It's daunting, but as you know, he can do it because we saw him battle his way up the ranks with a less favorable, favorable is the word I'm looking for, rule system 
last series. So let's give Jolly a chance to tell us about his magical adventure and all the drama that happened on his way back to the top. Thank you, Messer Engine. So after the fall, after we lost our team and had to start all over, uh, I was, of course, kind of caught on the back foot. I wasn't expecting to wipe. I didn't have preparations. I didn't have backup plans. But I had to jump right back into it because we didn't want to delay the series, which is ironic, really, because I rushed so hard to catch up so quickly to not delay the series. And then the series got delayed anyway by ISP shenanigans. So that's really frustrating. I could have taken things a lot more slow, taken my time, and maybe some things would have gone differently. But, you know, sliding doors, open windows. I can't take it back. It It is what it is. And we're going to move on. So I had to come up with a naming theme off the back foot. And I didn't want to just continue our existing naming theme. I didn't want to just name our new boys after the cartoon cartoon characters and even reuse names because that didn't feel right. Those boys had their shot and it didn't go so great. And this is a new team. So I ultimately wound up going with a related theme and we went with Nicktoons, which are, again, late 90s early mid 2000s cartoon shows and characters that were on the Nickelodeon network on basic cable. Technically, I think they still use the Nicktoons moniker for even their newer stuff, but I ain't trying to deal with none of that hippy dippy bullshit. We ain't using any of that. We're talking about the cartoons that were good when I was a kid, when I was a young warthog. (laughs) We got all of your normal early stuff. We did, of course, start with a chimchar. Once again, this one we named Cosmo after the fairy godparent in the fairly odd parents. Cosmo is a lax chimchar which i don't know if that's better or worse than our brave natured mojo jojo it's not speed hindering but it's not attack boosting either so kind of a wash we did pick up our starly and our badoof and our cricketot we picked up a psyduck again we actually didn't get the early geodude this time around which i thought at the time was a really really good thing uh spoiler it wasn't a really really good thing i really wish we had gotten that early geodude Fuck a Geodude. <laughs> the, the most hype early encounter that we got this series was actually a Magikarp. It was a Jolly Magikarp, and it had a perfect attack IV. I had no intention coming in of running a Gyarados at all. We ran a Gyarados last series, but you don't look a gift fish in the mouth. And he was a real good Magikarp boy. We named him Jorgen von Strangle. The catch-up run was actually flawless through Gardenia. We suffered no losses. We did everything Perfectly. And actually, we had gotten that much done before we even recorded episode 44. So at the time we recorded last, I was already through Gardenia with no deaths. I decided not to use the return TM on our Staravia Patrick Star uh, right away. And primarily that was because I didn't want to take the time to manually boost Patrick's friendship uh early in the game it just we again we were in gotta go fast mode we were going fast like sanic i didn't want to take time to run around in circles for anything we still got the shield fossil from our our fossil lottery with the trainer id and we did pick up our shield on we named him reptar and i loved him fiercely so at this point we're in week three content we're right back where we started before everything went to shit and where that starts is going into the Eterna city team galactic building and liberating it from commander Jupiter. Now Jupiter's scun tank is the fucking worst. I, I did real well and got some pretty good luck the first time around. 
that didn't happen this time, unfortunately. Uh, we led with Reptar, our shield on, and used him to take out the Zubat and also put in some damage on the Skuntank. He missed with Rock Tomb a lot. Actually, over the course of this gameplay section, Reptar misses a lot with Rock Tomb. Reptar, I think, is not quite the clutch, clutch boy that our sweet baby action Hank was. But yeah, it, it is what it is. So we used our good boy Reptar up until he'd taken a little bit too much damage from that Skun Tank to really keep going. We switched into Eliza, who is the Luxio, uh, hoping to get an Intimidate off and, and neuter it a little bit. And Eliza ate a crit Night Slash and went down. So RIP Eliza, one death. Negative 20 points. Uh, we switched in Patrick, the Staravia, hoping to get another Intimidate off, neuter it a little bit more, and do some damage. Patrick brought it down to a sliver with Pluck and ate a second crit Night Slash that one-shot it. Two dead. R.I.P. Patrick. Negative 40 points. Now, if I had taken the time to manually increase Patrick's Friendship, if I had taken the time to teach him return and make it effective and, and viable, that would have done it, frankly. That would have made the difference, but I I didn't. I was in a big, big hurry to get through, and, and honestly, in hindsight, that was kind of a mistake, frankly, because the series didn't keep trucking along regardless, and I could have taken my time there, and maybe things would be real, real different, but I didn't. And they're not, and this is just what we have to deal with. At that point, Cosmo, our our Monferno came in and mock punched and, and finished the finished the thing. At this point, it was time for Operation Get a Gliger. We had all our encounters on the table, and just like with last time, trying to get a Gliger necessitated that we hunt for other Pokemon first to get them off dupes. And this time, it was actually a little bit less likely because we had both Geodude and Machop available on the table. So we didn't really have much of a chance to get a Machop this week before we hunted for Gliger, but we definitely had a chance for Geodude. So we wanted to try to, to do that. We repelled through the grass on Route 206 to reach Wayward cave inside wayward cave we encountered that geodude so we were actually really excited and hyped for that that's exactly what we wanted we had led with jorgen our good strong gyarados we used bite hoping to take it down to a reasonable level and we did we took about two-thirds of its hp with that bite and that gyarados used self-destruct and it crit and it murdered our sweet baby gyarados jorgen R.I.P. Jorgen, three dead, negative 60 points. Now, at this point, I was real salty and I was real tilted. Jorgen was a real good boy. I had EV trained him. He was phenomenal. And he's real bulky. I'm still convinced that if it had not been a crit, he would have easily lived that self-destruct. But again, that's not what happened. Can't take it back. It is what it is. We went to Mount Coronet to get our encounter there. We also encountered a Geodude there, and it also self-destructed. Thankfully, I was leading with Reptar, so it didn't murder any of our children. Still, fuck a Geodude. At that point, we didn't have any more options to pick up a Geodude this week, and we didn't really want to delay our Route 206 encounter for another week because we were kind of hurting for boys, frankly, and we really kind of needed uh, an option. So we got our Route 206 encounter, and it was... A Geodude. Uh, named it Poof. 
I fucking hate it. Fuck a Geodude. We duped out on Route 208, so at this point we were now officially getting no new options before Fantina. Uh, and even our new Geodude wasn't really a great option because Fantina's most powerful Pokemon have Levitate, so can't even really magnitude them all to death. We did have a Psyduck in the bank named Wanda. We got her out to train her due to the death of poor sweet Jorgen. We needed a water type. I got her trained up to a reasonable level. I was leading with her against a Bonsley that a trainer was using. I knocked it down to the red with water gun and it hit back with flail and crit. Four dead. RIP Wanda. Negative 80 points. At this point, I was getting real, real tilted i was real salty and we got pearl our our shellos out of the bank hoping to have something for a water type anything for a water type got her all trained up got her at appropriate level and i was training her against wild pokemon when we came across a cricketune and without thinking i clicked water pulse when it clicked bide now I didn't deal half, so I knew that a second Water Pulse was not going to kill this Krikatoon off. And because of the way Bide works, I was not convinced that even switching into our bulkiest boy, Reptar, that he would live the Bide damage. So I decided our best bet was to run from this Krikatoon. I failed to run away. The Bide went off. Five dead. R.I.P. Pearl. Minus 100 points. And at this point... I am ridiculously tilted. I am super frustrated and I decide that it's in everyone's best interest that I just call it a night and go the fuck to bed. So at this point, I'm totally unsure if we can even beat Fantina with what I have. Everything is weak to Hermes Magius. That thing has stab shadow ball. It has Psybeam for coverage. It has Magical Leaf for coverage. The only thing that isn't hit super effectively by one of those that's any good is Reptar, and he can't hit worth a shit. So, not great. Ultimately, the plan that I devised was to bring four Pokemon and only four Pokemon into that fight. And that number was calculated because nothing else that I had was potentially really going to to be a factor in the battle. And bringing it would just potentially lose me points if we wiped. And wiping was a very real concern and possibility at that point so we didn't want to do that um so we brought plankton our dust ox reptar the shield on vicky the crowbat and heifer the ponyta i actually brought heifer out of the bank instead of our good boy cosmo because he's not part fighting type so he's not weak to Psybeam. so that actually seemed like the better option for the first and probably only time to use ponyta we led with Plankton, the Dust Ox. And the plan there was just to use Plankton uh, against the Dust Skull because it didn't really have to worry about being burned. He's not physical until his health would no longer allow him to and then switch out. He actually did a pretty good job of that. He did some damage on the Dust Skull. He necessitated the Dust Skull to eat up one of Fantina's super potions and then eventually switched out into Reptar, the Shield On, who finished the Dust Skull off. Now, at this point... Fantina sent out her Miss Magius, which was actually huge. If she had gone into her Haunter and worn down Reptar, that could have been real, real bad for us. But she didn't. She went right into Miss Magius. We used Reptar to lower its speed with Rock Tomb a couple of times, which, again, really clutch misses from Reptar. Not doing super great. And then switched into Vicky the, the Crobat. Now, switching from 
Reptar to Vicky was actually really calculated because Reptar baits the magical leaf out of Miss Magius. It can hit neutrally with magical leaf, whereas all of its other moves are, are resisted. And Vicky is very afraid of Miss Magius' Psybeam. So baiting the magical leaf was, was huge because Vicky quad resists that. She only took four damage on the switch in, which was huge. Vicky used Confuse Ray when she came in, and that was kind of a gamble because, you know, Confuse Ray could have done nothing, but it didn't. Miss Magius actually immediately hit itself, so it paid off. Vicky then used Bite, taking Miss Magius down to approximately 10%. Miss Magius hit back with Psybeam, dealing 40. Like, again, Miss Magius hits real, real hard. It is no joke. Fantina then healed with a Super Potion. Vicky used Bites. Uh, one last Bite, and the Miss Magius went down. After that, dealing with the Haunter was, was child's play. It wasn't threatening really at all. And we had a flawless victory against Fantina, which was really hype. That was a battle I wasn't sure that we were going to be able to win at all. And we won it with style uh, and flawlessly. So that was super fucking good. At that point, all that was left was to get our encounters on the week and to build our team. So coming into this, there were three encounters that were really... On my radar, Scyther was at the top of that list for obvious reasons. Scyther and Scizor are amazing Pokemon, and they were available on two routes between Heart Home and Veilstone City. There was also the possibility of picking up a Duskull, which, you know, my poor baby Wheels in Gen 3 didn't really get a chance to shine. I would love to give that line a, a redemption run, and it was available to me in the Lost Tower. And then also Ralts was on our encounter table. And, and Ralts is actually real, real good for our format because he has a split evolution line, and one side of that is physical and one side of that is special. So if I get one whose stats are skewed to the physical, as long as it's male, I can evolve it into Gallade. If I get one whose stats are skewed to the special we can evolve it into Gardevoir so it's just a really good diverse Pokemon line so our first encounter was Route 209 and we actually did manage to encounter and capture a male Ralts which was super duper hype because it has the option of both evolutions uh, our male Ralts is jolly natured so very much skewed to the physical so it looks like he is going to be a big boy Gallade and we named him Arnold at some point in the evening, we also backtracked to the old Chateau. I'm not sure exactly when, but we picked up a Rotom, and we named him Jimmy Neutron, and he's also real, real good. Now, from here, unfortunately, the week started to take another downward turn. We went into a double battle that we were actually trying to avoid. We didn't want to do this battle at all. We were leading with Reptar and Vicky, and the opponent sent out a Buizel and a Baneri. Now... I was hyper aware of that Buizel for its water stab, so I doubled into it. I figured it, it could do a lot of damage to Reptar, but the Baneri is a normal type. It's not going to hit too hard. It'll be fine. I totally forgot that that Baneri would already have Jump Kick. Six dead. R.I.P. Reptar. Negative 120 points. Now, this was doubly frustrating because my next anticipated encounter was Scyther. Now, even a wild Scyther is, is really, really threatening, and this is doubly true because its catch rate is so low. So if you're trying to catch it, it's going to be on the field for a while, generally. And I was counting on Reptar to tank those hits while I threw Pokeballs. Now that this was out the window, I, I made the clutch, like off-the-cuff decision to lead with Jimmy, our, our Rotom, for this encounter, thinking that Jimmy would resist any Fury Cutters, would be immune to any False Swipes, that it was a good fit. I forgot that those Wild Scythers know Pursuit, and it immediately used it, and I panicked, terrified that I was about to lose our dear sweet Jimmy. 
In hindsight, I should have had Jimmy use Shockwave. While it's super effective, that Scyther could certainly live one of those. Instead, because I was kind of panicking, I clicked Uproar, thinking it was a neutral hit that I could get some damage off and then start throwing Pokeballs. I forgot that Uproar locks you in. I mean, seriously, how often do you use Uproar? ever uh for that reason probably honestly and yeah it locked us into uproar and ultimately we wound up killing our scyther encounter which was of all the bad and frustrating things that happened this week that was probably the most frustrating because scyther would have been huge for the team i had one in front of me and i just cocked it up through bad decision making so that was real bad we did go to the Lost Tower. We did not get our Duskull there. Instead, we got a Ghastly, a female Ghastly. We named her Sam after the spoopy goth girl from the Danny Phantom show. Uh, and then on Route 215, we picked up a Meryl that we named Helga. Not a good Meryl, though. That'd be asking too much from Pokemon Platinum. Now that the team was kind of assembled, such as it were, uh, I had to level them, and I decided to do my leveling and grinding against the Ghastlies inside the old Chateau, as they're not generally super threatening, and they give good EXP. I was leading with Poof, who was the Geodude that we caught, who was now a Graveler. I didn't really want to use him, I didn't really like him, but... After losing Reptar, he was our best, like, defensive option. Well, we had a Ghastly that just got super-duper mad at the genocide that I was committing on its ghosty friends, and it decided to murder our sweet baby Poof. Um, specifically, it used Mean Look to lock Poof in so I couldn't switch or run away. And then when Poof missed with Rock Throw, it used Spite a couple of times to sap up all of rock throws PP. And now all of a sudden poof couldn't switch. And because all of his other offensive moves were either normal type or ground type against the levitate ghastly, I couldn't hit it. And so we were forced to watch poof die slowly, unable to hit this fucking ghost. I can only be so sad about that. Seriously. Fuck Geodudes This run seven deaths, negative 140 points. I'm not going to lie. Things are looking really grim. I'm not happy with how everything went, but it's not all bad. There are some positives and I'm just going to do what I can and try to turn this ship around. Yeah, it it wasn't great. I actually thought there for a while that you were going to come out of this in a really good place because you cleared through Gardenia without losing anything. And during the catch up, you don't have to redo hard mode fights because you're just trying to catch up and you can't get points. I thought you were going to come into week four with like an amazing roster. And that just didn't turn out to be the case. Yeah, I was fully expecting the Glyscore and Scyther coming in out of this week. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is what it is. Again, I, at the beginning of this series in the intro episode, I said that week four could come around and I'd be curled into a ball and sobbing. And it seems like those words might've been a little bit prophetic, although not because specifically of Pokemon Platinum. I mean, that Drift Blim is Platinum exclusive, so that played a, a factor, but really it's just a lot of, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, why there's not a bigger penalty for, for wiping, right? Why is there not an additional points loss just for wiping? And this right here is why, because wiping and catching up is hard all on its own because you have to redo things. You can't get positives from them, but you can still lose. And there's also the added 
pressure of just time of knowing that the series is waiting for you to catch up, that you have to get through it as quickly as you can. And that lends itself to mistakes. So if you wanted to know why that's, that's why, but yeah, it is what it is. Again, I'm not going to say we've been in a worse position. I think this is, you know, while Gen 3 as a whole may have been worse, this is easily the single worst week in the entire history of Blastburn Radio. I think, I don't think that's a, a stretch, but I'm confident in my abilities and my skills. As long as I don't go on a tilt, and I specifically took the last couple of weeks away from Pokemon as a whole, not just away from our series. I haven't touched a Pokemon game other than a little bit of showdown in two weeks, just to kind of cleanse my palate and get back to a centered place. And now it's just time to put in work. So we're going to do it. Do you want to say, say a couple words for your giant pile of, of dead friends? Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably ought to to, to Patrick and to Eliza. You were good boys. I didn't have a lot of time to get really attached to you. Even though we'd been through two weeks of gameplay, we did it in the course of like two hours. So you weren't around super long. And not to be callous about it, but there's almost a part of me that's glad that you're not on the team. Not that you're dead, but you weren't... You weren't Bravo. And you weren't... God, what the fuck did I name my first uh, Shanks? That guy. Hey. <laughs> you, you, you weren't our original boys. And you felt like replacements. And that's not fair to either of you. I would rather make new friends this time around. And so that's what we're doing. I'm just sorry that that skunk got real mad and took you from us. That's real shitty. Poor Mandark. Oh, it was Mandark. Mandark was real good. Now I'm sad. <laughs> to to Jorgen you got some shenanigans you did not deserve the shit you got and you were going to be a monster and you never even got the chance to, to, to inspire fear in the opposition and that's real sad fuck a Geodude fuck a Geodude plan B is plan A motherfucker <sighs> to, to Wanda you also add some shenanigans bullshit pulled on you i may have made a poor decision in in bringing you out or leaving you out but i don't really think so i think it was just just pokemon being pokemon frankly but that's real sad Uh, apparently i'm just not good at keeping ducks around and i'm sorry to pearl you were 100 my fault I was tilted, I was mad, and I, I shouldn't have even been trying at that point. I should have stepped away before you were gone, and now I don't have dick for a water type, and it's my fault. I'm sorry. To, to Reptar, you were a good-ass boy, and I was really looking forward to using you. You were going to be my rocker. I don't have a fucking rocker now again. God damn it. And you were just really fun to use, and I was really excited to, to level you and train you into a big boy Bastiodon. And that option was taken from me. And once again, I feel like maybe it was some Final Destination bullshit, saying, no, you already lost your action, Hank. You don't get another one. I'm sorry, Reptar. I will miss you. Poof. Fuck a Geodude. Bye.
All right, guys, that is my catch-up. It hasn't been easy or smooth, but we're finally in a position to continue the series and turn it around. As always, we've heard from you guys at home, and we're really grateful for your emails. Uh, this week brought our first ever email from listener Crazy Pommy. Uh, Celeste, would you read Pommy's email for us, please? Yes, sure. Pommy says, Hello, Blastburn Radio crew. This is Crazy Pommy. I popped into the end of one of Jolly's streams this week. Being in Australia, it's really hard to catch your streams, and I was actually at work when I jumped into the chat, having to be super sneaky to hide from the boss. You guys inspired me to pick up a virtual console version of Pokemon Crystal and have a playthrough of it. I love the work you guys do, and I eagerly anticipate each new podcast as I've managed to binge through the entire library you guys have put out. All the best, Crazy Pommy. Awesome. Thank you, Celeste. And thanks, Pommy. I'm glad that you really enjoy the show. Uh, I'm sorry. I totally understand how it is when time zones make life hard. Uh, but thank you so much for the support. We really, really appreciate it. Now, this week also brought our first email in a good long while from our good buddy, Zuzu. Mess, would you read Zuzu's email for us, please? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Zuzu says, hey, Blastburn team, it's been a while. Last time I wrote, I was a new listener and I was starting an Ultra Sun Nuzlocke. After feeling inspired by your gameplay. It was a slaughter up to the end and I lost over 20 Pokemon friends along the way. I quickly began to feel desensitized as my entire team slowly died off and rotated through replacements one after another. I got through Ultra Necrozma by taking a team of random box pokes, teaching them all toxic and protect, and just letting them stall and die off one by one until victory. <laughs> That's what the special bond between trainer and Pokemon is all about, right? Anyways, I said I would play along with Sinnoh, and here I am. I'm gonna I'm going Jolly's route with Platinum, and it has not been easy. I am still catching up, and I don't want to take too long with all the details, but highlights or lowlights include getting almost completely wiped by the very first trainer battle against a single level five Starly who took down my Bidoof instantly. He then went on to growl my Turtwig into utter uselessness and proceeded to attack until Turtwig was down to 2 HP. With only a level 2 Starly as backup, I saw the full 20 minutes I had been playing flash before my eyes, but the gods had mercy and the devil bird at this point just went back to growling until I could beat it into submission. Lost my Shellos and Ghastly both to Bide. First time Shellos couldn't KO and only got the enemy down to a sliver before being obliterated in return. Second time, I thought it was being smart by switching into a ghost, which it turns out actually doesn't matter with Bide at all, so that sucked. Fuck Bide. Lost my Geodude to Jupiter's Zubat. That new Giga Drain. Like, what the fuck? Lost my shield on to Jupiter's Gun Tank after double intimidating multiple times with Luxio Staravia, only to confidently send in shield on and watch it get crit to death. Lastly, I had my damn weasel blown the fuck up by a self-destructing Geodude, so I feel you, Mez. Currently, building up to take on Fantina and it's not looking great. Trying to evolve the Eevee I got from Bebe into an Umbreon for a bulky dark counter, but Eevee is almost at the level limit and still hasn't evolved, so it might be in vain. Updates to come. Hope you guys have a better week next week of gameplay, although the shittiness of your week three is definitely nice to hear for commiseration purposes. Cheers, Zuzu. 
<laughs> awesome. Thank you for your email, Suzu. Yeah, Generation 4 has been an absolutely brutal thus far. I, I totally personally feel your pain in case the last, you know, 45 minutes haven't made that clear. Uh, that Skun Tank in particular is definitely a bastard. Now, this week, we also heard from a bunch of others, including our buddy Cameron and a new writer, Zach, giving their requests for our next showdown spotlight. And no, you don't get bonus points for guessing who Cameron asked for. Uh, and we also heard from another new listener, Blake, who was sharing his bug monotype team with your boy in solidarity for them bugo friends. Uh, so thank you for the emails, guys. We really, really appreciate it. Now, if you are a proud member of the Blastburn Nation and you're playing along with us at home, or if you're just following the show, we want to hear from you. Be sure to get at us by email or through social media, and we'll share your messages with the community, because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Now, that's it, guys. That's week three finally in the books. All of week three is finally in the books and can be burned behind us. Uh, and now it's time for our... PvP showdown so we can look forward to week four. Now, coming into the week three PvP showdown, our buddy Messer Engine is sitting in a much more comfortable spot after my unceremonious fall from grace and is in the lead with his score of 140 points. Celeste is behind him, but not by much with a score of 110. After my week of death and sadness, I am well in the basement with a score of negative 140 points. Can, can the come up start yet? I'm ready, please. Uh, now, as always, last week's big winner in PvP must defend the stick first, and this week, that was me. Messer Engine, I challenge you. Wonderful. All right, guys. Well, here we go. All right, everyone. It's time for the battle that's been building up for the past two weeks. We have BBR Jolly in the Platinum Corner, and we have Mezzer Engine in the Pearl Corner. Jolly is leading with Jimmy, his Rotom, and Mezzer Engine is leading with Reeves, his Gyarados. Are you two ready? Yep. Let's do it. Alright, you two may begin. Mezzer Engine switches into Jinxie, his Luxio, and Jimmy uses Confuse Race, confusing Jinxie on the switch. Jolly switches into Tootie his Rosalia, and Jinxie punches itself in the face. It is now at 69%. Because that's the way we do. All we do is punch in face. Hunt comes out from Mezzer Engine, his Mistrevis, who takes a Stun Spore in the switch. It is now paralyzed. A Leech Seed from Tootie hits Haunt, and Haunt uses Psybeam, which confuses and damages Tootie down to 66%. After Leech Seed, of course. Shit Monkey comes out for Jolly, taking a Psybeam on the switch. It's at 87% health. And Leech Seed continues to lower Haunt's health, it's at 77%. Reefs comes back out for Mezzer Engine, taking a Shadow Claw on the switch, which is a critical hit. Reefs is now at 64% health. A Bite from Reefs takes Shipmonkey down to 58% health, and Shipmonkey tickles Reefs, lowering its attack and defense. Did you seriously just fucking tickle? <laughs> <laughs> tickle fish. A Dragon Rage from Reefs knocks Shitmonkey down to 17% health after healing from its Oranberry. And then Shitmonkey uses Return, knocking Reefs down to 39% health after its Berry. Jimmy comes back out for Jolly, taking a Dragon Rage on the switch, knocking it down to 56% health after its Berry. Speedy comes out from Mizzer Engine, taking the Shockwave on the switch, it lowers it down to 82% health. Speedy takes a Confuse Ray, hitting itself in the face. 
It's been a thing tonight. Cosmo comes out for Jolly, and Speedy continues to hit itself in the face. Reef comes back out for Menser Engine, lowering Cosmo's attack on the switch, and Cosmo taunts Reef. Shipmonkey comes back out, taking a Dragon Rage on the switch, finishing off Shipmonkey. Jimmy comes back out. Speedy comes back out for Mezzer Engine, taking a Shockwave on the switch. Speedy's at 33% health. Quick Claw allows Speedy to get our Ox off, and then a Confuse Ray confuses it. That could be huge. A Critical Hit Shockwave finishes off Speedy. That was clutch. Radar comes out for Mezzer Engine. His Crobat. A Bite from Radar finishes off Jimmy. Well, damn, alright. Tootie comes out for Jolly, taking Stone's damage on the switch in, or not switch in, the replacement, sorry. Radar confuses Tootie with a Confuse Ray, and it punches itself in the face. It heals of its Ormsberry, and it's at 55% health. Yeah, I deserve that. Yeah, I've done an awful lot of punches myself in the face tonight. Air Cutter from Radar finishes off Tootie. Vicky comes out for BR's Jolly, taking Stone's damage on the switch in, it's at 76% health. That is a danger bat. Reefs comes out from Mezzer Engine, lowering Vicky's attack. A Confuse Ray from Vicky confuses Reef. A Wing Attack from Vicky knocks Reefs down to 22% health, and a Dragon Rage from Reefs knocks Vicky down to 33% health. A Bite from Vicky knocks Reefs down to 11% health, and Reefs finishes off Vicky with a Dragon Rage. Cosmo comes out for Jolly. It's that monkey. A Grass Knot from Cosmo finishes off Reefs. That is a Grass Knot monkey. <laughs> Radar comes out for Mezzer Engine. And Sam comes out for Jolly, his Haunter and is confused on the switch-in. A bite from Radar knocks Sam to, I want to say, 18% health, and then a berry heals Sam to 23% health, and then Sam uses Mean Look to make sure Radar does not switch out. Bite finishes off Sam. I was hoping to live that a little bit better than I did. Clearly that didn't happen. Cosmo comes back out for Jolly, taking an Air Cutter. An Air Cutter knocks it down to 20% health after berry, and then Flame Wheel from Cosmo knocks Radar to 60%. Good game, sir. Next turn, Air Cutter finishes off Cosmo. Good game, mess. That Air Cutter, that special attack. Good fucking lord. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything was going real my way at the beginning, but it, I, I can only do so much with Shit Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Shit Monkey's tickle was clutch. Yeah, it really was. I, I'm happy with how that worked out. Just, yeah, it, good game. Well, as always, Loser gives up the stick, and so this time that is me, and that leaves Messer Engine facing off against Celeste. So here we go in the diamond corner. We do have Celeste Lost leading out with Torres, her female Kranidos. In the pearl corner, we have Messer Engine leading out with Copper, his genderless Bronzor. Folks, are you ready? Yeah. Yep. All right, you may begin. And Taurus immediately leads in with the Pursuit, hoping to catch the swap. However, Mess is not taking out that disc. Deals 22% on the hit. Copper attempts to Hypnosis and put the Dino to sleep. However, it misses. Taurus comes back out in favor of Deanna the Gyarados. Deanna switches into a Confuse Ray and is now confused. Deanna, however, acts through the Confusion and uses bite on Copper, taking 28% of its health. Copper flinches. Uh, this time, Deanna, however, does not go through the confusion and hits itself. Copper goes back to the hypnosis and once again misses. Copper, you're not you're not doing real good, bud. And Deanna goes to the Dragon Rage, and that is enough to bring Copper down. Jinxie, the Lexio, coming out for Master Engine. 
and Deanna the Gyarados comes back out in favor of Lore Celeste's own Bronzor, who takes a spark on the switch for 23% health. And Jinxie stays in and uses Bite for 14%. Lore flinches. And Jinxie goes back to the spark for 24%. Lore uses Reflect. On the following turn, Lore uses Light Screen, going first, actually because of negative priority, Jinxie then uses Roar and drags Deanna the Gyarados out, That's who gets exactly an Intimidate off. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, that, that's real good. <laughs> A Gyarados after Intimidate and Reflect. Yep, that's going to end real well for, for poor Jinxie. It's going to be great. And Jinxie comes back in favor of Reef's Messer Engine's own Gyarados, who switches into a Hyper Beam after the Intimidate does 23%, and Deanna is recharging. Messer Engine goes for the Dragon Rage, a very solid strategy with all the defensive buffs on the field, and Deanna is recharging. Messer Engine goes back to the Dragon Rage uh, for another 37%. Deanna uses Thunder. Jesus Christ, Celeste was busy, dealing 74% of Reefs' health. Reefs then eats a Wiki Berry, restoring some health back up to 15%. And Reefs goes back to the Dragon Rage, and that's enough to bring Deanna down. Out comes Riker, that shiny Staravia who has returned to Celeste from beyond the grave. Still has two turns of Reflect. Uh, Reeves comes back for Master Engine in favor of Haunt, the mischievous. Riker uses Return. The Return verb is back, and this time it is not my friend. However, uh, that is a move that Haunt, as a ghost type, is immune to, taking no damage. Riker goes for the wing attack, dealing 36% to Haunt. Haunt uses Confuse Ray. Riker is now confused and is no longer under the effect of Reflect. Riker then hits itself in Confusion. Haunt goes to Psybeam, dealing 17%. However, that was under the effect of Light Screen, and the Light Screen has now worn off. Uh, on the following turn, Confusion ends and Riker goes back to the wing attack to 41%. However, that does trigger Haunt's Mago Berry, which recovers it back up to 35. Haunt then uses Psybeam, which crits, dealing 59%, leaving Riker hanging on with a thread at 3% health. I didn't say set to stun. <laughs> Riker oh. then used Endeavor, but Haunt is immune because it's a ghost, and Haunt finishes it off with the Psybeam. Oops. And Kaiko, the Roselia, comes out for Celeste. And Haunt does outspeed and uses Confuse Ray. Kaiko is now confused, and Kaiko then hits itself in confusion. Uh, Haunt goes to the side beam, which is, of course, super effective, dealing 44% to Kaiko. Kaiko immediately snaps out of his confusion and uses Giga Drain, dealing 33% to Haunt and recovering. Uh, Haunt goes back to the Psybeam, dealing 41% to Kaiko. Kaiko uses Giga Drain, finishing Haunt off and healing back up to 20% health. Radar comes out for Messer Engine, that good, good Crobat. And Radar does outspeed with the Air Cutter, which is a crit, not that that crit mattered, bringing Kaiko down, and out comes Torres, that Kranidos. Radar uses Confuse Ray, and Torres is now confused. Torres hits itself in confusion with that massive attack stat. That is huge. It dealt 42% damage to itself. Uh, Radar uses Bite, which deals another 36% to Torres. Torres uses Natural Gift, which is super effective. I'm not sure if that was a stab rock move or, or what typing it ultimately 
was dealing 69% damage to Radar. Radar eats a Figgy Berry, restores itself up to 43%. And Radar uses Bite, and that's enough to bring Torres down. Lore, the Bronzong, comes back out for Celeste. And Radar comes back out in favor of Speedy the Grotal. Uh, Speedy switches into an extra sensory from Lore for 18%. And Speedy goes for the Bite, dealing 17% of Lore's health. Lore uses Confused Ray, and Speedy is now confused. Uh, Speedy fights through the confusion to Bite once again, dealing another 17% damage to Lore, leaving it a sliver with 5% health. Lore uses Reflect. Uh, following turn, Speedy goes first due to the Quick Claw, but hits itself in confusion, and Lore gets the Light Screen off, giving support for the last remaining Pokemon on Celeste's team, who is as yet unrevealed. Uh, Speedy then fights through the confusion and brings Lore down with one last bite, and out comes Bartok, the Heracross. And Speedy comes back out in favor of Reefs the Gyarados, who gets the Intimidate off but switches into an Aerial Ace from Martok, which is enough to bring it down. Out comes Jinxie, the Luxio from Esser Engine. And Martok uses Brick Break, which is huge, dealing 80% to Jinxie. Jinxie uses Spark, only dealing 15% in return through the Reflect. Martok uses Brick Break once again, and Jinxie goes down. Speedy comes back out from Messer Engine. And Speedy eats an Aerial Ace for 36% of his total health. Speedy hits back with a Bite, which is not very effective, but it crits for 20% of Martok's health. And Martok goes back to the Aerial Ace. That's enough to bring Speedy down. Messer Engine is also on his final Pokemon, the Crobat Radar, who does have the advantage in typing, but is already weakened. And Radar goes to the Confused Ray. Martok is now confused. Martok acts through Confusion using Aerial Ace for 18% of Radar's health. However, both screens are now gone. Oh! And Radar goes for the Air Cutter, dealing 63%, leaving Martok alive with 2% health. Martok does act through Confusion using Aerial Ace, hitting Radar for 16%, leaving it alive with 9%. Both of these Pokemon are hanging on by a thread. However, Radar outspeeds, so unless there is a miss or some other, like, Quick Claw shenanigans... Yes, Radar does act first with Air Cutter. That is enough to bring Martok down. The winner by the skin of his teeth is Messer Engine. Good game. Good game, Celeste. Good game. Martok is super deadly. My only strategy was to basically just sacrifice Pokemon until the screens went down. Makes sense. Oh, man, that was that was real, real good. You guys both played exceptionally well. And that means that Messer Engine has swept PvP this week. The rich have gotten richer, which is ironic, considering just last week Messer Engine was very much in the poorhouse. But good for you, sir. So that leaves us with one final match of the evening, which is myself and Celeste scrapping it out for the remaining 30 points. Uh, Messer Engine, the microphone is yours, sir. All right, for our final match of the night, we have BBR Jolly facing off against Celeste Loss. Jolly is opening up with Jimmy, his good Rotom, and Celeste is opening with Lore, her Bronzor. Are you two ready? Yep, let's do it. You may begin. Jimmy opens up with the Confuse Ray, confusing Lore. Lore being confused doesn't matter, because it also works through confusion and confuses. Jimmy's confused with Confuse Ray, but swaps right out, not wanting any of that. And out comes 
Sam, the haunter for Jolly, lore hits itself in confusion and is brought down to 93%. Out comes Deanna the Gyarados for Celeste. It switches into a mean look from Sam, uh, and now Deanna can't switch out. Sam is also intimidated. Sam uses Curse, cursing Deanna, dooming it to a terrible death. Deanna uses Bite and murders Sam the Haunter. But the curse still exists and brings it down to 75%. Out comes Tootie, the Roselia for Jolly. Ironically, Keiko, the Roselia, comes out for Celeste and gets a Para on the way in. Out comes Cosmo for Jolly, the Monferno. It switches into what would have been Stun Spore, but Stun Spore misses. Cosmo uses Grass Knot and... Do, do, do. It's not very effective bringing Keiko down one whole percent. It, I almost didn't even see it. That's how not effective it was. Meanwhile, Keiko was paralyzed and can't move. Cosmo taunts Keiko, saying, You're paralyzed. You can't do shit. And Keiko can't use Stun Spore because of said taunt. Keiko comes out for Celeste, and out comes Jordy, her Crobat. Jordy takes a Flame Wheel on the switch in, taking 30% damage, and is now at 70%. Monkey swap for Monkey. Out comes Shit Monkey for Jolly. It switches into a Confuse Ray on its way in. Celeste switches out the bat in favor of Martok, that Heracross. It switches into a return. Shit Monkey managed to fight through the confusion, which was damn impressive. Martok uses... Hold on one second. Shit Monkey snaps out of confusion and uses Tickle, reducing Martok's attack and defense. Martok says, none of that, I'm using Brick Break, and it's super effective. Shit Monkey takes 93% damage and is down to 7%. Martok comes out for Celeste, and she switches in Lore, her Bronzor, who takes a return on the switch-in, and is down to 76%. Out comes Cosmo for Jolly. It comes in in just enough time to see Reflect go up on Lore. On the next turn, Cosmo uses Taunt, and Lore can't use Light Screen as a result. Cosmo uses Flame Wheel, bringing Lore down to 61%. Lore uses Extra Sentry, which is super effective. Cosmo lost 54% and is down to 46%. Jolly withdraws the monkey and sends out Shit Monkey, who takes Extra Sensory on the switch in and dies terribly. Tootie, the Roselia, comes out for Jolly. It manages to paralyze Lore. Lore uses Extra Sensory and brings Tootie down to 52%. Tootie uses Leech Seed on Lore, and Lore is paralyzed. It loses some life to that Leech Seed, and goes up to... Tootie goes up to 69%. Tootie uses Growth as Jordy comes out the Crobat. That Crobat's not having none of anything. Wing attacks and drops Tootie. Out comes Jimmy, the Rotom, coming back out for Jolly to face down Jordy the Crobat. Jordy the Crobat uses Bite... Uh, bringing Jimmy down to 50%. Jimmy uses Shockwave, bringing Jordy down to 2%. Another bite from Jordy brings Jimmy down to 3%, but it's not enough to drop him. Jimmy Shockwaves again and drops Jordy, but out comes Riker. Number one is here to save the day. It gets the Intimidate off on Jimmy, 
and tries to quick attack, but Jimmy's a ghost and don't give no shits. Jimmy uses Confuse Ray, and now Riker is confused. Riker comes out for Celeste, and in comes Keiko, the Roselia, who gets hit with a shockwave and goes down to 81%. On the next round, uh, Jimmy confuses Keiko with Confuse Ray. Keiko uses Giga Drain and drops Jimmy. Cosmo comes out for Jolly, that good fire monkey. Okay, Cosmo uses Flame Wheel, but in its place, Roselia has been swapped out and Gyarados, the end of the Gyarados comes out and intimidates Cosmo and doesn't really take too much damage. Deanna goes down not all that much from the flame wheel. On the next round, Cosmo uses Grass Knot, bringing Deanna down 24% to 45%. Deanna uses Dragon Rage and drops Cosmo the rest of the way. Out comes Vicky, the Crobat, for Jolly. It confuses Deanna. Deanna tries to thunder and misses, uh, even though it fights through the confusion. A bite from Vicky brings Deanna down to 34%. Deanna Hyper Beams, bringing Vicky down to 75%, but now must recharge. A Wing Attack from Vicky brings Deanna down to 17%. It is no longer recharging, but it is still confused. Vicky uses Wing Attack and drops Deanna, since it is a fast, fast bat. And out comes Lore, the Bronzor, to face down Vicky, which is Jolly's last Pokemon, which I did not mention. Vicky bites Lore, it doesn't do that much, brings it down to 36%. Lore, on the other hand, confuses Vicky, who is at 75%, 63% after it punches itself in the face, and Lore is fully paralyzed. On the next round, a bite brings Lore down to 24%, and Lore puts up Reflect. Vicky punches itself in the face again and ends up taking an extra sensory to the face and is dropped. The winner is Celeste. Good game, Celeste. Good game. All right, well, that is our, our PvP on the week. And as always, that is going to change up our, our leaderboard. Although in this case, uh, as was the case for so much of Season 3, it didn't really change things up so much as it did cement them. Uh, as our big winner in PvP this week, Messer Engine is bringing home 60 additional PvP points, which brings his score up to an even... 200. Celeste is still behind him, but a little bit closer. She picked up the remaining 30 points and is now at 140. And I, Jolly by Nature, did not manage to dig myself out even a little bit with PvP this week. I remain in last place with a score of negative 140. Again, there's only so much I can do with an APOM, (laughs) y'all. It'll be very useful once you're leveled with it and have all the moves it needs, but right now there's not much you can do. I don't know, the return off of that thing still did some serious damage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not the worst. Alright, well that was our, our third week in gameplay. Finally, it is finally in the books, and now it's time to look forward to a new week in gameplay to our week four of our Sinnoh Challenge. Now this week, I will be following in the footsteps of Messer Engine and Celeste and heading to Veilstone City, where the Furious Maylene awaits my challenge. Uh, Messer Engine and Celeste, however, will be starting their week in Veilstone City, and they will be helping the Professor's assistants to regain their Pokedex from the dastardly Team Galactic. 
They will then head south from Veilstone City through Route 214 to reach Valor Lakefront, where a five-star hotel and fine dining await them. Uh, from here, they will head south and west through Route 213 to reach Pastoria City. Uh, they'll get the chance to explore the Great Marsh, which is the Sinnoh offering for a safari zone, before taking on the powerful Crasher Wake and his brutally strong water-type Pokemon. Our level limit for this week of gameplay is... 31. Uh, now, it is important to note that our encounter rule for the Great Marsh will mirror other Safari Zone areas in this series. We will expect all of our hosts to throw Safari Balls and only Safari Balls at every valid encounter until they catch one successfully, or until they run out of balls and get nothing. Uh, how are we feeling going into week four, folks? Um, I'm feeling really good. I like the team I have. And getting closer to the levels where they'll evolve, my team is just bound to get stronger. And I'm very looking forward to Kratidos becoming Rampardos and actually just having a crazy amount of attack. Well, good. How, how about you, Mess? How are you feeling going into this next week of gameplay? I mean, in the end of week two, I was like losing real bad. And now I'm in the lead. It's weird. I'm feeling good about that, but it's weird. Well, well, good. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I don't feel like, God, these are famous last words. I'm not going to say those words. That's very, very bad. I feel like the most logical direction for us to go from this point is up. And I intend to do everything I can to make that be a real thing. It'll be exciting, to say the least. Yeah, because now I'm right back in the position I was in Series 3 where I have literally nothing to lose from a point standpoint and need to be doing hard mode all the fucking time. So please look forward to that. And with that, of course, we do want to let you guys know when and where you can find us streaming so that you can see me apply risky, risky strategies and kill all my sweet, beloved friends. <laughs> but I will not be the first to play, actually. That is, as always, going to be our good boy Messer Engine. Mess Buddy, when can our listeners expect to find you live on Twitch this week? The normal time, which you might have forgotten because it's been a while, it's 6 p.m. on Sunday, Eastern Time, at twitch.tv slash engine. If a second night is needed, uh, it'll be Monday at 8 p.m. It may be. I don't, I don't remember this like a gameplay real well, so we'll see how long it takes. So we're back on the regular schedule. So we'll see you tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you, Messer Engine. Now, as always, I will be streaming second, and I will be going live on Tuesday. And this week, actually, I'll be live on Wednesday as well. So you can expect to see me back-to-back -back Tuesday and Wednesday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash jollybynature. Uh, now, of course, that does leave our dear friend Celeste. Celeste, when can we expect to find you streaming this week? So this week, I'll be streaming Thursday and Friday back-to-back -back at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash lost. Awesome. Thank you, Celeste. Now, as always, dear sweet gentle listeners, we want your emails. We want to hear from you, whether you're playing along with us at home, doing your own challenge run that you just want to talk about, or if you just want to give us your thoughts and feelings on the show, please send us your emails to blastburnradio at gmail.com or get at the show on Twitter or Facebook at blastburnradio. We want to hear from you. Now, as always, you can follow me personally at BBRJolly on Twitter. I'm at Celeste Lost. And I'm at Engine. Uh, also, don't forget to check out Mythic Portal Games for all of your online role-playing assets, and be sure to follow the show at Blastburn Radio on Twitter and Facebook to stay up-to-date on what all of our hosts are doing around the internet. Uh, now, I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Messer Engine and Celeste. For Blastburn Radio, I am Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next time, everyone.
Blast Burn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste Lost, and Messer Engine. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out all her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is Cantilave City Remix by Say, S-E-I-I. You can check out all her tracks at youtube.com slash saytunes. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her portfolio or contact her for commissions at rachelmondragon.com. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.